0: This episode is sponsored by the Mayshad Foundation. The Mayshad Foundation is the 501c3 nonprofit arm of Mayshad Group. It is US-based with a subsidiary in Morocco. The Foundation has set up projects in rural areas of Africa for the benefit of marginalized communities, particularly young people and women, with the objective of improving their lives through income-generating activities. Learn more at mayshadfoundation.org. In this episode, we have Neza Alawi, Neza hails from one of the most prominent families in Morocco. She left behind a life of privilege to work for the UN and to launch Mayshad Group, a developer of an ecosystem focused on female empowerment. Thank you so much, Neza, for being on our show today.
1: Thank you, Asim. It's an honor.
0: I really appreciate this. Um, I think your story is going to resonate with so many people listening, so I'm very excited to be sharing it. And uh, I'd like to go back to your early days in in Morocco. And um, what really stood out for me was how at the age of seven, you knew you wanted to be an independent businesswoman making a positive global impact. So let's talk a little bit about that. And what led you to have that belief at such a young, tender age?
1: So when I wrote the book, Be Who You Want to Be, and I speak to young future leaders in universities, I always tell them that from experience, the hardest thing to to define, to get into a path of leadership or success is to find out who do you really wanna be. (laughs) So I feel blessed to have been born in a context where I needed and I wanted to break out and break free uh, at a very early stage at a very young age. And so and that's probably because I was in Morocco coming from a prominent but yet conservative family. And um, I had an older brother. And I was that little girl who was growing up between city life during the week and and my father was passionate about agriculture, so he was taking us in um in a farm over the weekend. It just shaped up my personality to to be this hyperactive energetic girl at the time and so when when jobs that were much more classical for a girl um, in my region was more about becoming a pharmacist Mm -hmm. It had like a spread of like girls pharmacists because you go through good studies, but then you can still have a job that doesn't give you risk and that, you know, looks good in front of society, but then you can be a good mom and you can be very present for your husband and for everyone. So pharmacist was like (laughs) the top trendiest, you know, like, Dream that a girl should have, and then it was having a teaching degree without like really being you know like very active about it or having a law degree without like becoming a lawyer. and so i I, I was just thinking that all that, and I was like really proceeding by elimination and and none wow. of those were making me dream and one day someone asked you, you know, like how they ask, you know, like children, when people come and visit the parents and someone was asking me, so what do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to become a businesswoman. And then my dad was so offended. And he was like, what does this even mean? Because it was so much money oriented, and so it was so wrong, you know, like in our family to be thinking like that. And his right, little girl, right. you know, like to be talking about her well. business ambitions <laughs> at seven. And then I started defending my idea because it was Beautiful. controversial.
0: Yeah,
1: and I said, Well, I don't know what it's going to be, but it just means that I'm going to be developing my businesses internationally and this and that and then i started like seeing that passion that was that i was looking for and um as i was shaping up what that idea could be well i was more and more comfortable with the idea of it
0: that's great that's so, so wonderful <laughs> Thank you for that. That's a really very vivid uh, memory. I'm glad you shared that. Um, Neza, uh, in your book, you share about how your parents divorced at six. Um, How has that impacted your life?
1: It did impact my life uh, a lot, because it was, we need to to put it back again in in time. and, And like, the regional context, Mm -hmm. Uh, being from like divorced parents in 1989 in Morocco was not something that we knew. Mm -hmm. So, so, so when my parents announced that they were divorcing, not that I had ever seen them fighting or anything, but it was an arranged marriage because they're both from the same family. And, and my mom just wanted to get out of it after fourteen years of marriage because um it, it wasn't you know again the dream life that she she wanted so so there was nothing dramatic about the divorce, but it was the unknown yeah and so so when you're facing the unknown as a child uh you have two choices, and I think the first choice that is more like unconsciously, we're more unconsciously driven to it. It's fear, it's yeah. it's crying, it's being sad about it. And that was my first choice of happiness. And, and so I remember, so my grandfather came to announce this to us and my brother who was older just cried, I, I guess he was like a little more conscious, he was nine years old. And I thought to myself, okay, I asked a few questions. I, I said, will we still see my father? And he said, yes, of course. I said, will both of our parents still love us? And he said, yeah, of course. (laughs) I said, okay, then I guess I'm choosing to be happy about it. I'm happy for them. And I started empowering (laughs) them through this decision. And so that was kind of like my first experience of empowerment and it was my first experience of choosing happiness over sadness for myself, that's and pretty. that has dictated the rest of my life. Yeah. Where every time that I was faced to um, a fear or that choice, where I could choose to create happiness or sadness in my life, I realized that I had the power to choose. Yeah, and I it's kept making that choice. Yeah. Oh,
0: that's so great. Wow, thank you again.
1: All the compromises that come with it. Because I also realized, obviously, that when I made that choice of being happy as a six years old, and then it went on with four years of of like a very awkward situation because they were separated and not divorced. And I'm talking about the total unknown in terms they didn't know how to legally divorce in Morocco. Okay, wow.
0: Well.
1: And, and my mom's dad was the highest uh um juridic authority in morocco yet he didn't have the power to to release uh his daughter from that situation so it went with a series of of unknowns so, so a lot of compromises were made you know it wasn't a happy time Yeah. but i just chose going out through it to keep relativizing things to keep you know like Thinking that it could be worse, that there is nothing dramatic about it and so on and, and train myself into happiness.
0: Wow. Well done. And so astute at such a young age. That's so, it's so impressive about it. Um, moving forward, I know that school was not very interesting for you because you had a lot of creativity and there was no real outlet for you to, to show that. Um, but, uh, once you, uh, you did get married at a fairly young age and, um, you, you had a retail business that you had launched with 12 locations. So share about that period of your life.
1: Sure. And and I would love to also, you know, like talk about school. Yeah, please. And And so fast forward from those four years of the situation in my personal life with my parents and then coming as a young 12 years old into middle school, my brain was emotionally much more trained to already be conscious of, certain, of the emotional intelligence mm, Yes. rather than the, the, the IQ, which at the time was the metric to understand who's going to be successful or not. And so so at 12 years old, I was interested in in philosophy, history, you know, like, but but less scientific, but I was very, very um, interested in the human mind and in trying to understand, you know, like everything about social networks in my school, which took a lot more of my attention than my academic. So um, then it takes me back to going to college, not choosing a specific topic, but wanting to discover the world. And Mm -hmm. so choosing uh, a format that allowed me to be six months in internship in different cities. So I ended up doing a hotel management school.
0: You went to Milan for that.
1: Yes, and and to to I went to Milan, Paris, and uh, the school was in Spain, and then I I finished in London.
0: Wow.
1: So at the age of twenty three, uh, I get married to my high school sweetheart. Mm, okay. And I immediately become a mom. Yeah. Because for me, I was always an anti compromise, and and marriage was something that was going to come with with my decision to to be a parent
0: right of course. and um yeah your daughter may soon was born a year later
1: exactly at the age of 24 then then Shadin, i started as an entrepreneur back then yeah. uh i lived in dc with the father of my kids because he was studying there before then i moved back to morocco because i wanted my i, I wanted my daughter to grow up close to my parents and his parents and also to have that international culture. So then then I decided to bring American brands to represent them and develop them in, in uh, Morocco. Um, yeah, so that's the time between 24 and 27.
0: Okay. Okay. And then um, I think this is has ended up becoming one of the most pivotal moments of your life. So share with us about that uh, transition from 27 onwards.
1: I think that during that time, I had compromised on uh, some traits of my personality and somehow I had chosen a life that was much more compromised. Of what I was imagining.
0: Yeah.
1: Of what I had imagined as, as a, a little girl. And my life became very comfortable. Um, very comfortable materially, but also like on a society level. And I was that good example of a good wife and a, a good woman that has her businesses and she's a good mom and and it was really not what I wanted to be because I knew that if I was a happy person internally and a successful person, it's because of everything that I had inside of me that, um, made me be that person, my strength, my values, my, my always caring for others. When I realized that, I I started like completely re-questioning what I had to bring to the world. And uh, I definitely had so much to share on a psychological level, on a on an empowerment level. Um, and I made a choice because I think it took me six months between the realization of of all that to to really act on it. And I was seeing myself completely becoming like a ghost in social events where I would be completely bored and I would be like, what are you doing here? You know, it's like, you should be doing like amazing things, like working for the United Nations. You know, you should be be like writing books. You should be like following, you know, like, discovering new passion, you should. And, and uh, then one day, I, I decided to make that choice.
0: Amazing.
1: And, and to completely build my voice, like I always felt that I had that inner strength in me to, to support others and empower others. And then, then I decided, I mean, like I started to see where am I going to go? Where should I start? And I realized that if I didn't deconstruct everything that I had around me materially to rebuild it, I would have never, you know, like a story and a word to share on how to make it from scratch. And I I could only speak to people who were born with something and built on it. And uh, yes, I love the education that I had. And I love the values that were transmitted in my family, in my environment. But uh, I I wanted to recreate things, everything on my own terms. And with all the the material compromises that it has, it is the most liberating uh, journey that um, one can have.
0: That's really phenomenal. Um, In your book, you have a great saying, uh, the limit to one's freedom is the well-being of others.
1: I understood that at a very early age that I had to create a lot of routines and discipline in my life to be free. Mm, yes. Because it's it's when you you are really disciplined in your life that you can experience the true inner freedom. Yeah. So the limit of our freedom is the well-being of others we should be free to do whatever we want and make those choices for ourselves as long as we're not hurting others.
0: Yeah, brilliant. So profound. And so was it at that point that you worked for the UN?
1: Yes. So so, so the, the UN was my first own achievement mm-hmm. at all. It's like when I deconstructed my life and I said, okay, I'm starting from scratch. The first contract that I got was with the United Nations. And it took about six months. And it was it was something that I, I had an idea about. I had a dream. I reached out. I went through processes. I started pitching my, why they would hire me versus another photographer that has much more referrals. Mm-hmm. And and i negotiated and i got it
0: nice congratulations
1: and so that process became my process of understanding that when you want if if you want to do it you can do it yeah. and so so that was that was the process that i did and that again it came at a time where i wanted to disconnect myself from society i wanted to rebuild the new me and what best than doing it for the world food program traveling for one year in different missions and and being able to to testify and and observe you know like the work of of such an organization on on people who who you know like i are dying of starvation and and so many um, so so it was it was a great introspective first achievement and uh and then i was sharing that with my daughters and i was doing it as a mom so i told them that i cannot go for three months consecutively and i will go for maximum 10 days and come back home take a month and then go back again for 10 days so it was my entire first alone experience with me and my daughters and creating what Meshad is going to be um, afterwards.
0: Amazing! That's so wonderful. Um, it's amazing how children can be such a great inspiration for us. And um, there's another line from your book where you wrote, uh, "Sensitivity is the mother of all creativity." And I just—it felt yeah. like your photography work and passion led you to that.
1: I'll, I'll tell you why I wrote that, and and I deeply think of that because I've met a lot of amazing characters in my life and I was always very sensitive to others and trying to understand beyond the appearance. And so a lot of artists are over sensitive and we know it like innovators, artists, they can be so much sensitive that they need to protect themselves and stay in their own bubble yeah. because they are just they they don't know how to to belong to that other world and they need to protect themselves from from the toxicity and noise of the rest of of the world out of their ecosystem then i met amazing leaders who went through like very challenging time and just decided at some point to close up themselves to sensitivity because because their work was out there and they've been so much disappointed in their life that at some point they made a choice to close up. Hmm. So with these two extremes that I'm um, describing now here I was as an observer trying to choose where do I want to stand? And so I wanted to be that person who keeps her sensitivity, which makes her genius and her creativity and her humanity, but is also strong enough and detached enough to be able to stay within the world where she will be active and not like constantly like being hurt and disappointed, right. and uh, and so so yes yeah, so so that's my conclusion is that never give up on sensitivity vulnerability because you you will just stop moving forward and and having the most beautiful genius then that we can have as human we cannot have in without having our sensitivity um so yes yeah, so it's that moderation that i preach um at that level
0: that's so well said really appreciate you sharing that thinking with us and i can see that that has really informed a lot of what you've been doing and you talked about Shad earlier and of course this is the the work that um is your focus at the moment, and it's what brought you to New York. And I, I've always been touched by how you came up with the name. It's the first syllable of your the names of your two daughters, Maysoon and Shadeen, so Mayshad. Um, and originally it started as a magazine, am I correct?
1: Well, it started as a communication and business development agency. Okay. And so it started as a communication agency to my own projects. Hmm. So the first contract that uh, Meshad signed was with the the United Nations. And and then um, people would come to me because I was always a natural international networker. And when they would share with me where they stand in their life, in their business life and so on, I would naturally connect them to someone else that I know in the world. And I was always a connector. I believed in in that capacity to create magic by connecting the right people. Why would you keep, you know, your network for yourself when you can hear, you know, like, see something beautiful, uh, being bored out of, you know, like a connection that you're creating. So, so. I always say also that Meshad just like, a woman, you know, who's, who's building herself or, or, you know, as I'm talking to you, I seem it's like really like a human being who's deep. <laughs> it takes that time of exploration. Yeah. And Mayshad has explored itself yeah. with the team members that I was growing and every revenue that we were generating were constantly reinvested in the company. constantly because my aim was always to grow it to grow the teams to grow you know like the network to grow our attitude and i was like visualizing the ecosystem that it can be Mm -hmm. from its early stage Wow, so it it grew from from 2011 to to 2014 as communication agency, business development agency, connecting companies that wanted to go into market where I had a network and and vice versa or or international companies coming to Morocco. Then in 2014, I decided to really focus on my own project Mm -hmm. and and, uh, created the handbag brand, the nonprofit at the same time, uh, the online magazine, and uh, kept the business development agency as the whole team was working on, on the projects of Mayshad. And that was from 2014 to 2017. Then in 2018, I moved to New York with uh, my current project.
0: Yeah, amazing. Uh, share with us more about your mission for, for Mayshad. What I think is brilliant is that your expertise that you honed as an international connector is what you're really bringing to the Meshad mission and purpose and and you're bringing all these amazing women together and they're sharing their stories and everyone's getting so much out of it a lot of growth Um, so let's talk about that
1: thank you Asim for giving me this opportunity so yes I I moved to New York Uh, again chose New York out of all the cities because I had to focus on one place that had enough diversity, enough density to be able to test, launch and develop the the project. Being an international citizen and an international entrepreneur, it was very hard for me at the beginning to imagine that I was gonna focus on one market because I always have seeing the meshad women throughout the world, whether she's wearing a sari or uh, a melefa in the, the Moroccan Sahara or, you know, like on stilettos in New York or, or um, with her chic outfit in Paris. The meshad woman has that common values of being a doer, of being that positive woman who's, who cares about others and who, who is on a path. And so, and I always, my ultimate dream is to connect them at that international level. You do have to focus in one place, in one market, to be able to bring a greater value to your network. If I'm connecting immediately a woman from New York to a woman in Middle East, the value is not going to be it's not going to be immediate yes
0: yeah, so okay the right way, yeah
1: you understand it's going to be on a spiritual level they will become best friends but it's not one woman cannot hire the other one as a talent talent one woman cannot immediately connect to the other as an investor or you know like to do business together so so i had to focus on one market i chose American not English really American because for me there was something in it in, in, in for me in America when I came you know like to North America uh, at the age of 16 it was that entrepreneurial spirit that I found here that really um, brought me a lot of um, Positivity into accepting my mindset and developing my my uh, mindset. So I was like, okay. So the meshad woman is definitely an international woman. Wherever she is, would have learned English. She has that humility to learn a language that is universal. As exciting as it seems, I have made a lot of compromise because because a lot of my team members, uh, with me not being there um we're not we're not like we're not like following up the way like my presence was still needed there and that's one thing the second thing is i decided to move my daughters and so it was also you know like move them from school taking them away from my parents and their grandparents and and bringing them to a place where they were born, where they came every two months, but it's not the same condition as living in a um, in in Morocco. So, so a lot of compromises, but but beautiful results.
0: No, yeah, that's fantastic. Um, what is your vision for Mayshad where you will feel like this has been a success?
1: I, I feel that it's like an iceberg. Mm. that I started a long time ago my vision has always been to create an ecosystem that would where every single element in that ecosystem nurtures the ecosystem and is beneficial to all the other elements Mm. it's like you're a strong individual in an ecosystem but you're part of like a stronger ecosystem that makes you like You're individually strong, so I empower you to be individually strong, but I also offer you that ability to be part of a strong collective. Pragmatically, how does it uh, translate? So content, workshops, training, conversations, networking. When you have the inspirational content, the true learning is you need to learn and you need to transmit. And Ah, that's how the process happens. That's how you become an amazing learner. It's when you have that capacity to transmit that learning. Yes. And so when you're put into a networking space, then this is how you're transmitting back.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. And there's a saying that you have mastered material when you can teach it to somebody else.
1: Exactly.
0: That's really exceptional and incredible.
1: Thank you, Asim. So now uh, you can find us on joinmeshad.com. Because there is the Mayshad Group website, which is more the corporate website that uh, shows all the enterprises of the group. But Join Mayshad is the network. And when you go in it, you see all the events, the different memberships. There is actually a membership that we just launched. It's called the Mayshad Friend Membership, and that's for men who support women and support the vision of women's empowerment.
0: Oh, fantastic. I I think of myself as a (laughs) Mayshed man.
1: Completely, you are. (laughs) Totally. We're also launching a a tech platform that allows the the interaction beyond the the event. And the COVID situation, or I would say like the, the confinement has pushed us to uh move forward to digital much faster than we were expecting because we're so busy with physical Mm -hmm. events and uh over the past uh, eight weeks we have grown our reach to other cities we actually have a member in la uh we have few members in boston so so yeah it's um it's it's becoming a nationwide um, platform
0: Wonderful. That's so great to hear.
1: All right, Asin, thank you so much.
0: thank you so much. Really appreciate your time today. I'm so excited. Thank you. Achieve is recorded at Subtractive in Hangar 8 at the Santa Monica Airport. Music is produced by Hennedy.